hey, we're ready to start season five of Druids and Cars going to festivals, and we're excited to have you along once more. The first few episodes of this season were recorded last year on our way to Harvest Nights, the first festival that we were able to attend again after a long hiatus. Our first usual festival, Trillium, is still not happening, and we've seen a couple of festivals get canceled, but not all of them. And we would really like to encourage everyone who's listening to consider submitting a workshop proposal to one of the upcoming festivals that may now be on the radar. Hopefully, we won't see any more cancellations. In light of that, we're going to provide you with a bit of a, I don't know, kickoff, I suppose, for this year. We're asking you to think about those workshop proposals and actually get them sent in. And to help you with that, we're going to provide a little bit of background on how Reverend Avende and I plan our workshops, or don't, as the case may be. But we wanted to give you a little bit of insight into that so you'd have that information. So, welcome into Season 5. We're looking forward to more. If you hear us talk about the fall, that's why. Alright, on to the show. Boop, 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 druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Do, 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 do. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriot Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. We've gotten far enough north now that we've got some fall color coming in. Starting to. I'm looking forward to uh, getting... The north part of New York? Yeah, well, because we had friends recently travel through there, and they said that the colors were lovely in New York, and they got to Ohio and were like, I mean, they're fine. Yeah, I saw those posts too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different climate up there, though. But, so today we want to talk about how to prep a workshop. Uh, I, I, this weekend I'm doing two workshops at Harvest Night. You've got one. I'm doing one, yeah. Um, this is one that you've done in the past. These workshops are all new to me for the most part. Mine was a special request workshop. Yeah. So it was nice because I didn't have to plan it. I should read it before we get there so that I remember the details of what it's about. But, uh, but yeah. That's the uh, writing evocations, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think we have on YouTube for the Grove. Maybe. I have no idea. We'll have to look and find out. And if we do, we'll put a YouTube link into the description. You can go watch that. Um, but... My workshops are on the gates and gatekeepers and divination and ritual. Um, we, we, we had these requests specifically uh, from the organizers because that's what the 
people attending wanted to, to see and get comfortable with. So that's what we're going to try and do. And we'll, we'll figure out whether we're going to record those or not at a later moment. Uh, but for the last year or so, I've been doing, and you've been doing, workshops entirely online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a little bit different, and I kind of wanted to, to touch on how we prepare for workshops in person, how we prepare for workshops not in person, um, and, and help people understand that, no, they can do this too. Hi. <laughs> give a whole workshop on how to write workshops so you do (laughs) so let's not forget about that I haven't done it in a while actually I did it at Trillium the year before the pandemic and my pitch was okay now that you've all written a workshop in this workshop you need to apply to give it next year and then next year didn't happen so I I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> well, maybe if we're really lucky, they'll apply to give it at this coming Trillium, which we hope will be in person and will happen again. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, um, so I actually haven't done a lot of virtual workshops. Um, I think I did one at Summerlands 2020, but I think that was the last one I did because my style of workshop giving is very hands-on and like let's have a discussion and then apply these skills and come together and create something Um, which doesn't translate awesome to a virtual format like it's doable it's challenging though but it it doesn't translate super awesome yeah I can see that Uh, in fact when when I moved to virtual stuff and I have done at this point I've done a lot of, of virtual workshops the one of the first ones I did um, was actually on healing magic and, and stuff like that um, and it was it was very different but what I found is that I could take my workshop and write it all out and then basically presented as a lecture and provide a transcript while I was doing it, which was really cool. Yeah. Because then it was suddenly accessible. <laughs> I could turn it over to the um, uh, to the, the live captioners, because I did, I did that healing workshop at, for, uh, for Ohio State, so they had actual live captioners. Right. So I turned over my, my transcript to them, and I'm like, here's what I'm going to be saying. And uh, that was very helpful for them because... All the weird words. <laughs> yes, I use a lot of weird words. We all do when we're doing ritual or doing, doing workshops. Um, and, and so that was that was really nice. And a lot of my workshops in the virtual space have been like that. Now, you said it's been really hard trying to make it conversational. Yeah. So you can't just, you know, write a paper and read it. Um, if you've ever been to an academic conference, <laughs> like, you've well, seen that. I've been to those. <laughs> yeah, um, and it, it's it's a different style of writing. Um, if, you're, if you're going to write as transcript for what you're going to say, it has to sound like you're saying it, not like you're reading it, um, and that means having you know 
parenthetical statements and asides and, and all those kinds of things that, that help it look organic. Um, so even if they're planned, you know, you can do it. And you have to read through it at least once, preferably two or three times. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's taken me a while to kind of hone down on how many words need to fit the, the space. The time slot. Because usually when I do a workshop in person... I fill the time based on my my experience of time. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I know how much time I have left, and I can expand it or, or contract it. But if you've written a, um, a transcript for your workshop, you can't do that, because then you go off script, and then suddenly you're, you're not in accessible territory anymore. You're in confusing territory. Yeah. Um, but usually with workshops, I tend to write an outline. And that outline is usually not super specific. It's specific enough that where I have important points, I can remember where they are. And it's usually annotated with citations, if that's necessary. It's not always. I don't think anything I'm going to do this weekend is going to require citations, for example. Um, but that way, if someone asks, I can say, oh, yeah, it was in this book on this page. And if you want to go look it up, you can do that, too. Um, and over time, what I'll do is I'll, I'll take that bullet-pointed list, and then I'll turn it into an article um, at some later date. And some of them are, are when you've got an hour-and-a-half-long workshop, that's a little too long to submit to Oak Leaf, so I'll find other ways to publish them. Yeah. Um, but, or I'll break it into pieces and try and publish it that way. But that's what I start with. Is I start with a basic outline, and I use that to hit high points and to keep myself organized, because the worst thing that I find uh, that I do is if I don't have an outline, I skip around, and it breaks the flow of the presentation. Yeah, I, um, so there's a couple of different ways that I've planned workshops. I, um, am, have experience in lesson planning. So, yep. <laughs> um, so sometimes when I plan workshops, I do, I predict how long each section is going to take or how long I want to spend on each section of the workshop. So I'll have like introduction, bullet points, parentheses, three minutes. And then uh, like first topic, heading, parentheses, five minutes. Um, and so I'll go through and I'll kind of plan out how long I want to spend on each thing. Um, which is guidelines. I mean, it's yeah. you're going to shift around from that. But it's a place to, to start from. Um, more recently, what I've been doing is I make a, I make two types of handouts. I make a, here's a sheet of paper that has headings for stuff that the folk can write on. And here's a sheet of paper that has those same headings and stuff, but has my bullet points in it so that I make sure I hit all the topics I want to. Um, but again, since most of my workshops are very, um, like, hands-on, so, like, this weekend I'm doing this writing in vacations, and the blanks on the handouts are, okay, now I want you to practice writing 
a descriptive phrase. Okay, now I want you to practice writing um, a two-line uh, invocation. And so there's blanks for people to like work along with us because um, I scaffold my learning. <laughs> you got to build it up. It's got to be supported. Uh, so, so yeah, and. And it totally de changes, too, depending on what I know the tech is going to be. So, like, if it's a workshop and it's outside, like, it's handouts and that's it. Yeah. Um, if it's inside and there's going to be a projector, then I can have, like, a PowerPoint and I can include pictures and um, spread everything out a little bit more, which will change how I present. That's been a fascinating thing with virtual workshops is it's completely changed how I deal with the visual aspects mm -hmm. because it's really easy to either just be a talking head in a box or have no one see your face at all and just have the, um, the, the PowerPoint slide or whatever it is up there. And... I, I've deepened my tech some, so I, I use a, a gaming keypad, actually, to switch my slides and to um, switch between talking head and images or slide or to drop stuff in the chat, um, which has been really useful and really helpful, because that way I'm not stopping to type out something really long or yeah. to go copy and paste a web address or something like that. Um, and, and that's been one of the most useful things I think that I've done is, is figuring out how to use the tech to my advantage on that, on that level. Well, and I've liked when you've done like pre-recorded stuff, how you like superimpose your head over the PowerPoint. Yeah. Um, so that you're You've like you've made space in the PowerPoint where here is where the head goes. Yes. Um, which I really like. I I think that's nice. It's harder to do that um, in something as boxed in as Zoom yeah. or uh, any other, uh, frankly, any other uh, web conferencing tool. But if you're pre-recording, you know it works out pretty well. Yeah. Um, and that way you get something animated on the screen, which goes a long way. But like you, if there is no tech, then I tend to, to move toward handouts, though I don't always use them. I won't be having handouts this weekend for either of my, my things, um, I don't think. But I will probably create something to go along with it that I can distribute electronically. Yeah. Because um, I'm doing divination. And I, I have cheat sheets with keywords for runes, oem, and Greek alphabet oracle, and I will very likely provide those, or at least find a way to provide access to them um, during the weekend. And whether that's airdropping it from my phone to somebody else's phone, or whether that's sending them to a link, I don't know how we'll be set up for that, but we'll find out. Yeah, I like doing, um, again, with the hands-on workshops, I've made use of Google Docs yeah. so that we brainstorm together 
like in real time and then folks have access to the brainstormed list after so I did a presentation at a couple of different festivals um, that's about building family traditions around the various high days and so I have multiple copies of it saved and so like I have the the Google Doc saved from Trillium and then the Google Doc saved from Harvest Nights so that like I can see where the differences are and yeah. you know maybe eventually turn them into more books but <laughs> you know, eventually. but um yeah but it's allowed me to have like a master copy and then use the brainstormed list together functionally in a workshop yeah and I, I think that's really helpful the the other piece of workshop stuff that I like to do um which you allude to here is is having something that someone can take with them when they leave the workshop and be able to continue the, the experience of learning whether that is a, a simple form that might be something I agree for the divination one is, is a way to journal your, your divinatory uh, experiences and ritual yeah, I think I'll create one of those That'd be maybe we'll cool. do that tonight that'd be cool stop at a hotel or something we'll, we'll um, but that way you know you get to continually apply the information which reinforces the information which keeps it kind of fresh as well yeah uh, and I think that's a, a really important thing and it's very often overlooked is providing that resource to continue the development um, I also I, I turn most of my stuff these days into, into an article and allow people to download it or read it. Most people, you know, they'll find it on my Patreon. Um, so when I've, when I've finished something, when i finished writing it, either the transcript goes up or I drop it into an article it's going to be more visual. I need to remember to put all my workshop stuff for this workshop on my Patreon. Yes, you do. Because normally that's what I do, but I think it's been... I don't think I had a Patreon the first time I did this workshop, so... Yeah. I need to make sure it gets up there. Yeah, I have I have to remember to get all my stuff yeah. back on to, to Patreon from before I had a Patreon. Um, do you have a workshop tier on your Patreon? I think I do. I know I do. I'm, I'm almost certain I do. So if you're interested in workshops, we have a tier for that. Um, drop the link to the Patreon in our, our, yeah, yeah, do our it. discussion here. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I learned how to create workshops by watching people give workshops uh, at pagan festivals and saying, oh, that's a neat idea. That's the kind of workshop I want to give. Or, oh, yeah, that's not the kind of workshop <laughs> I want to give. Um, I, I sat through a whole bunch of workshops of people, you know, listing off whatever it might be that they were talking about. They, 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 would, they would read through lists of, of examples, and I'm like, oh, that, that's just not for me, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I try and make sure that my stuff is, is engaging in a different way, um, a way that I would respond to. Yeah, I mean, my favorite workshops that I attend, I, I like hands-on workshops where I get to do or make something, um, and I like... Uh, either discussion panels or roundtable discussions. 
probably prefer discussion panels because then you don't get some random person in the audience like sharing sharing a completely unrelated example and you're like why are you still talking but discussion panels are normally especially if they're moderated Jan how am I going to show how important and smart (laughs) I am if I can't make a statement during question and answer again I've been to that academic (laughs) conference (laughs) I'm sorry you're ignoring my research which I think is very important Uh, Uh, But yeah, so like those are my preferred ones. I really like discussion panels because you're getting to listen to people who know what they're talking about, talk about things they're passionate and interested in. So when it comes to discussion panels, uh, the kinds that I really like are the kinds that are diverse. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of, for example... Um, here's all of ADF's clergy. We're going to have them talk about stuff. Because it only gives that clergy aspect. But if you throw an initiate or two on there, you, you get a senior druid on there. Um, you know, you get someone who hasn't passed their dedicated path work, but yet, you know, Again, you is get, clearly an expert in this. You area. get people who know what they're talking about and are passionate about it. Right. And... I have no doubt, in fact, I, I, I am positive that our priests can speak effectively and impact, you know, impactfully on all of these topics, but I want more than just that that level of opinion, that perspective. I and want also, addition. just because we can talk effectively about it doesn't mean we're passionate about it. That's also true. <laughs> There's lots of things I can talk effectively about that I'm not passionate about. And that's, that leads to a boring presentation. Yeah, right. well, and I really like uh, pan-pagan panels as yes. well. Because then, like, not I'm not just getting, like, cool ideas about the tradition that I already know a lot of this stuff about, but I'm also getting entirely new perspectives on things. Well, and you did a, a pretty cool pan-pagan theology panel. Yeah. Uh, which we recorded it and put up on uh, the Three Cranes YouTube. Uh, so we'll link to that as well. And that was that was really fascinating because we could... Do I want this exit? Uh... No, that goes to Cleveland. We don't want to go to Cleveland. Okay. We want to go the other way. Okay. <laughs> um, we're going toward Erie. Follow the signs to Erie. Okay. Um, the uh, but but that was fascinating because you had a lot of different perspectives, and it, it was it was nice to hear new things. And it was also it was a fairly diverse panel as well, and, and that was was helpful and. and so yes, we we will put a link to that. Yeah, those, I those really enjoyed doing that. But if you become part of a panel, ask what kinds of questions they're going to ask, so you've got an idea and can do a little bit of prep. Um, yeah, and depending on what kind of panel it is, it might be like I've done uh, student presentations to like college classes where they've. Um, surveyed the class for questions beforehand and then the professor will send you that list of questions with the knowledge that you won't get to all of them but here are the things we're going to be talking about Um, I I do that at least once a year usually for for a professor at Ohio State Um, and he'll, he'll assign, you know, write up the kinds of questions that you want 
um, that you might ask, and then he'll send them to me. So I've got them in advance, but I always answer every question. Um, because, and then I send it back to him. I say, hey, here's the, you know, here are the answers to every question that they, they pose. Here's the write-up. Exactly. Um, and that, I think, has been really helpful. I, I suspect that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm passionate about this stuff when I talk about it, and I, I like to answer those kinds of questions. So I, I make sure to go through and do that. And I always post those to my Patreon as well after they're done because the questions that other that people outside your, your own faith tradition ask about your faith tradition, it's fascinating. Yeah. And it gives you all sorts of insight into um, how you feel about it when you get to read it. So... Yeah, it, it was. It, I always try and make sure that I, I take all of those questions and, and answer them. So, but yeah, that's discussion panels are, are things you have to prepare for. You can't just show up to them and assume you're going to be fine or rely on other people to do it. It's a group project. You've got to participate in the group project. You know, I don't do a lot recently. I have not done a lot of ritual presentations um, and ritual workshops. Mm-hmm. I used to do more of those, but it's been quite a while, and you've done them more recently, I think, than I have. Yeah, well, a lot of my workshops, because I like hands-on application of stuff, um, like this weekend, we're going to be writing evocations, and then like the final piece of the workshop is everyone writes a short one for like we'll divide out the parts of the core order and everyone will write a piece and we will do a ritual um and like i've done magic ones where we've talked about different magical techniques and then we put them inside a ritual burrito and (laughs) do the work um so i try to include Anytime I'm talking about stuff that is applicable to ritual, I try to include, like, a mini ritual as part of the workshop. Yeah. I try and make sure that we get some hands-on stuff. I I don't think that what I'm doing this weekend particularly lends itself to it, which is okay, because I'm way out of practice on that. (laughs) Um, Though though the divination one, we might might do some some stuff with. Um, I packed my knuckle bones. I, I have ideas. We'll see how it goes. I, I try and, and get something reasonably hands-on to, to kind of tie it up at the end. Um, so most recently, the, the two most recent ones that I did, I did one at Midnight Flame and I did one at Convocation a few years ago. And the one I did at Midnight Flame was about finding allies. So we did a little bit of a... a a little bit of trance work at the end of the workshop to go find allies, you know, and, and make initial connections. And then at the, the Gaulish workshop that I did at Convocation, um, at the very end of that, we did a, a real quick kind of introductory trance sort of thing. Real basic, real light, more meditation than trance, honestly. Um, but it was enough that one of, a, a person who attended it, who I've known for years, um, got introduced to Gaul- a Gaulish deity, or a couple, and um, is now presenting at Gaulish conferences. Neat. And so I'm like, oh, hey, look, that's really awesome. Um, so it, it's nice to, to see stuff get 
have an application. Um, it's nice to see people kind of grow into the stuff that you're presenting on and do cool stuff with it. And I like to I like to see. Yeah, I like it when someone clearly got either an idea or a foundation or like a jumping off point from a workshop I presented and then they take it and expand it or turn it into something new. Like I really enjoy seeing those kinds of things happen. Yeah. One of the really weird things about presenting at festivals and this happens to, to I think everybody who presents at festivals is it might be, you know, it might be the next week, but it might be like five years down the line someone will say something in ritual and they'll, they'll use a formula that you mentioned in a workshop or, yeah. or you know something like that you know that they were there and you know that they listened to it and like oh I, I see my voice in you and I love what you've done with it yeah it's well great. and you get the same thing when uh, like when we do big festival rituals and you've been given a part and so you do like maybe what you normally do for that part and then you see at like a festival the next year like clearly that is like your voice that has grown legs and (laughs) and run away away. (laughs) Um, and it's awesome it is so but yeah I think the thing that we want to encourage people to do though is write a workshop apply to do a workshop when you start all you really got to do is provide an abstract a paragraph that talks about what you want to talk about. Yep. And if you get that, you've got the seed of the idea, and you can run with it. It's like writing a college paper, I tend to think. <laughs> you start with that idea, then you're like, ah, I don't know where I'm going to go with this, and then you just you start into it, and you go with it. Yeah. It works out really well. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Beershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.